Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be back with you. Hope your day is starting off well. And I'll just mention to my friends here that we've got a little bit of an echo, which I'm sure can be taken care of very easily. Thank you. We have a couple of updates for you on some important stories we've been following for you, and they are good updates. I want to begin in the upstate of South Carolina. Many of you are familiar with John Gray, who leads Relentless Church in Greenville, South Carolina, some days ago. I think we also, in addition to telling you the information about his dire health condition, we also prayed for him on this broadcast. Very thrilled to report he's now been released from the hospital after weeks of treatment for a life-threatening illness. Yesterday, his wife posted the update, a very encouraging update on this. Relentless church pastor John Gray and his wife, a venter, posted a photo of an empty hospital bed saying, the devil wanted me to die in this bed. Because of God, this bed is now a testimony. That is directly from what was posted on Instagram. And we celebrate this good news with the Grays as this story has been nothing short of extraordinary. Gray had been admitted to a hospital in Alabama July 7th and was in a critical care unit because of a saddle pulmonary embolism in the pulmonary artery and more lung blood clots. This was a potentially deadly combination. But again, we're glad to report this morning that he is now out of the hospital and back home. So we celebrate with the grazed today. I want to revisit a story So many times when we have these mass shooting incidents, one of the unfortunate things that happens is there's a great deal of notoriety associated with the shooter, the person who commits the crime. Well, today, I want to make absolutely sure that you know the name of the young man who saved the day. Because it is vitally important that attention is directed towards someone who is praiseworthy as opposed to someone who's committed a violent crime. The name you should know is Elisha Dickin of Seymour, Indiana. This is a guy who just happened to be shopping at the mall with his girlfriend. As we mentioned, the police chief called Dickens' action very quick action, nothing short of heroic. He engaged the gunman for quite a distance with a handgun, was very proficient in that, very tactically sound. And as he moved to close in on the suspect, he was also motioning for people to exit behind him. This guy was almost acting like a police officer. Here he is, moving in on the gunman and making sure that people behind him get out of harm's way. Elisha Dickin. 
He fired 10 rounds from his handgun, according to the chief. As he fired, the gunman attempted to retreat back into the restroom and failed, fell to the ground after getting shot. Dickens' brother, Cameron, told Fox News, he's my little brother, and he's an amazing kid. I've never been more proud of anyone in my entire life. What he did was selfless and amazing. He continued, he did what he did because it was the right thing to do, not for fame or glory, but because he knew he couldn't just stand by and let it continue to happen. Dickens' attorney, Guy Relford, said his client acted heroically in a statement to Fox News Digital. He is a true American hero, saved countless lives during a horrific event that could have been so much worse if not for Eli's courage, preparedness, and willingness to protect others. We've learned a little more about how this incident happened at the Greenwood Park Mall in Greenwood, Indiana. This is just south of my former home city of Indianapolis. The gunman entered the mall, walked into a bathroom where he spent about an hour before he emerged in open fire. Investigators believe he spent that time preparing and possibly assembling a disassembled rifle that he brought in in his backpack. Investigators found a second AR-15 style rifle in the bathroom. They also found on the deceased gunman a handgun, a waistband holster, and several magazines that contain more than 100 rounds of ammunition. Can I just remind you again when you're talking about a guy who is armed in this way, can you imagine? I want you to take for a moment this young man out of the picture. This young man who saved the day. What would have happened if he was not there? If he was not armed and ready? Just think about that. More than a hundred rounds of ammunition. Another piece of information we have learned, the gunman of Greenwood was apparently facing eviction before firing at the mall. Suspect's family did not have any indication anything was wrong or that he may turn violent. Investigators still trying to determine a motive here. New York Times brings out an interesting fact on this. The bystander who killed the gunman did so two minutes into the mall shooting. I wanted to tell you about this so you understand. I mean, think about it. The gunman already killed three people and injured two before he was shot dead. That's in two minutes. Imagine what would have happened if he had more time. This is just chilling to consider. Two minutes. The Greenwood police chief also said there's more information on how how this suspect was stopped. Chief Eisen said the 22-year-old Good Samaritan pulled out his legally owned pistol 
steadied himself on a pole and fired 10 rounds from 40 yards away. Think about this. This is pretty good. I don't know about you, but I'm definitely glad he was in the right place at the right time. Coming up, another story with mixed results. But again, the day was saved at least partially by an armed citizen. That much more as we continue the broadcast. Stay with us. Before I get to uh, some of the items on the text line, I've got to share a social media post. I love this one. I want to paint the picture for you. It's two different pictures. On the top is a picture of a mall and a sign that says gun-free zone. At the bottom, a picture of a mall. And it says conceal carry zone. <laughs> The caption under it says, Deterring Mass Shooters. Now, in the top one, the gun-free zone, there's a man standing outside firing into the mall. This is the gun-free zone. <laughs> in the second picture, I love this. There's a picture of people in the mall, all of them armed, three people armed, and they're firing at the shooter. They're actually just aiming the gun at the shooter. And the shooter's running. <laughs> I love this. This is so clever. Come on, people. This is a no-brainer. It really is. Another texter. Well, actually, a couple of texters. This person saying, please check on the two-minute reaction time for Eli. I've heard it was 15 seconds. Another person saying... The mall shooter was stopped in under 15 seconds, not two minutes as originally reported. The 15 seconds confirmed by the police chief after viewing mall security footage. That is from Jake. But you understand the main point here, which is, and again, this is not to be derogatory toward police. There is nothing like an armed citizen ready to respond to this kind of situation. Without Taking shots, no pun at all intended, at people in other situations. But you certainly don't have an hour. An hour to just sit around and stare at the wall. While this guy has potentially 100 shots that he can fire. The sooner he can be stopped, the better. Vince, these shooters always choose locations that have no concealed weapons allowed signs. Those signs give them a sense of security. Thank God. That young man didn't adhere to that sign at the mall. That is from Tim. We just should all be packing heat. The result would be no more mass shootings. 
You know, it's really intriguing about this. Is I, I do wonder, you know, the illustration I gave you from the social media post. You know, if people really did understand that there's a great chance they're going to face this kind of response. How many of these would be stopped before they ever happen? I'm, I'm convinced this is a major part of the deterrence. It really is. I do want to mention something, and I, I want to tread on this very carefully. I told you earlier in the broadcast, I'm very thankful that John Gray is home and he's recovered. I'm not going to read the texts that have been sent in. Because I'm serious, folks. Every single one of the texts, there is, uh, let's just say, uh, I find words of correction that are probably appropriate for John Gray. The only thing I'm going to say about this is I hope that he is listening. And I hope that there is a greater sense of awareness of how he is perceived and the reputation that is in turn reflected onto Christians in general. I am just going to leave it there. This this relates to issues of materialism. I'm just going to be very blunt about that. I'm not um, going to go into any more specific detail, but I think it's really interesting and telling that this is the reputation that he has developed. And I do hope this is a time for reflection as he recovers. That's how I'm going to be praying. In addition to the physical recovery, that there will be a spiritual awakening. I want to tell you about another incident that happened. Sometimes, folks, they're just things that happen where they're... I don't know how to characterize it other than there's just tragedies that happen and the tragedies could be worse. This is a story that that unfolded out in Montana. Daily Beast reporting on this. New York family's vacation out west ended in a scene of unimaginable horror. When a man rammed his vehicle into them, got out, and set about shooting the adults and children with a shotgun. This is just crazy, folks. Two of the family were shot dead on the Montana roadside, including a toddler. Before the baby's aunt ended the rampage by killing their attacker. Again, there's another instance of an armed citizen who kept a horrible situation from being even worse. 
the Sow family walking down a road in the town of East Glacier, near the Eastern Glacier National Park entrance in Montana, when this started. Don't need to tell you who this really freaked out guy is. He plowed into the family before crashing into a tree, got out wielding a shotgun. He killed David Sow, who was visiting from Pompeii, New York. Then opened fire on those who were fleeing, hitting Christy Sow and her 18-month-old daughter Mackenzie, who Christy was carrying. Mackenzie fatally wounded. Christy, critically injured, thank God, ultimately survived. Men then attacked David's sister, Christina, who lived locally in East Glacier. Men ran out of ammunition. So he switched to using a knife, stabbing Christina. But she fought for her life, and despite suffering critical injuries, managed to kill Madden at the scene. Two of the Pompeii couple's other children were able to flee the attack without injury. This is crazy, isn't it, folks? on the broadcast over in the text line this texture says the answer to mass shootings is everyone carries weapons i'll stay home thanks the wild west didn't work out so well in the end can we please start talking about the true nature root of these problems the current solution to more armed people just lead to more isolation and more mental illness let me just say to you i think we need a comprehensive solution to the problem Addressing the issues that you talked about, we talk about that all the time. You've got to get to the root, not just the fruit. I've said this repeatedly. Now, in terms of arming people, that is part of the picture. You've got to address all of these issues together. You can't just deal with one and say that the solution is just for everybody to be armed. We need a comprehensive solution. I hope that is helpful to you because I do not have the delusion that people will stop this kind of thing just because people are armed. I think it's going to serve as a deterrent. But I think there are people who are disturbed enough. They will still try this. Let's try to figure out who these folks are and intervene before something like this happens. I think we can agree on this. I want to talk about the real world and then the silly imaginary world where politicians live. (laughs) Just as a preview. In other words, we're going to talk about the stupid stunt carried out by members of Congress yesterday protesting the fall of Roe versus Wade. I mean, it's really pathetic to watch members of Congress arrested, especially those who decided to fake wearing handcuffs. Yes, we will talk about that coming up.
By the way, one of the people, quote, arrested, whatever this looks like, was our own representative, Alma Adams. We will talk about this in a bit. Can we talk about your real world for now? CBS News actually doing some journalism. Most middle-class Americans say they can't support their cost of living. Boy, is that shocking. The hottest inflation in 40 years taking a toll on families. Three-quarters of middle-income Americans say their earnings aren't enough to pay for their cost of living. In some ways, Americans with annual earnings of thirty dollars to $100,000 are now under more financial pressure than they were at the start of the pandemic. This is according to Glenn Williams, CEO of Primerica. Primerica polled almost 1,400 people in that income bracket in early June about their financial views and habits. Part of a study started at the beginning of the health crisis. The financial strength of American households is key to the U.S. economy, given that consumer spending contributes two-thirds of GDP. But surging prices for everything from gasoline to groceries, eating away at family budgets. Financial services firm finding 7 in 10 middle-income consumers are cutting back on restaurants and takeout meals. While about the same share plan to skip upgrading their phones and tech because of inflation. Real wages, they're losing ground as inflation flares. So there's less purchasing power. A share of middle-income Americans who say their incomes aren't keeping up with their cost of living has jumped 16 percentage points since December 2020 to 75% in June. 75%. Williams adding here, we're in the red zone. The pressure is more intense now than it has been in the past. The top financial concern among those surveyed is inflation, followed by food and gas prices. Given those worries, no surprise, almost 8 in 10 say they believe the U.S. will sink into a recession by the end of the year. To stay afloat, more middle American income people are relying on credit cards. 29% of those surveyed said their credit card debt had increased in June, reflecting the highest share since the survey started. They're using credit cards to bridge the gap. Of course, there's nothing inherently wrong with tapping credit cards to get through a tight period, but the longer this goes on, the longer those balances bulk up, and that becomes difficult in the future. Other research finding similar sentiments among consumers. With a new lending tree survey, 43% of Americans expect to add to their debt in the next six months. The share was highest for parents with children under 18, 58% expecting to take on debt in the second half of 2022. The most common reason for adding debt? This is scary, folks. Paying for necessities, followed by emergencies and health care costs. Some bright spots in the survey, 61% said they had an emergency fund of at least $1,000 to cover unexpected expenses. Slightly higher than the 56% who had that fund in 2020. When asked about their ability to save for the future, 72% said it was not so good or poor. 
I'm curious, what is the scenario in your household? How are you doing? Is it as tight as you're hearing about in this particular story? William's adding, these are families where it's absolutely impossible to save. But most middle-income families have some type of expenses that are discretionary. Usually there are a few items where you can say it's more important to have this night out, this meal out, this set of cable channels. Or should you take care of the financially important things for your family? What is the state of your home right now? This is the real world, ladies and gentlemen, where most middle-income Americans live. Coming up, we're going to talk about the imaginary play world of Washington, D.C., where politicians pretend to be handcuffed. I mean, this is one of the dumbest things that I've seen. If you'd like to join the conversation, the Ingalls Markets Talk Line, 800-928-1110, 800-928-1110. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. And we can still have a conversation about the economic situation, including another example of how out of touch Washington politicians are. You know, people who find a silver lining in high gas prices. <laughs> You'll hear who that person is and much more as we continue our broadcast. Stay with us. on the broadcast earlier we were talking about the sad circumstances where mass shootings took place and someone did something heroic in the process Jim would like to step in to comment on this very patiently waiting on the line good morning welcome Jim well thank you sir I enjoy your comments and uh, glad to have a place to talk about it yes sir uh, Basically, I have been, when I was a kid, I, I went hunting and all of that. And, and then I didn't really have a gun until maybe 10 years ago. But lately, uh, I've been thinking a lot about it, seeing some of these shootings in churches and things like that. And um, so what I decided to do is go ahead and get a concealed carry permit. Wow. So you made this decision just based on events that you're watching uh, exactly. in front of you right now. Right. And yeah. the issue that to me is it is a mental health issue. And what did we do about 20, 30 years ago? We let all the people out of the insane asylums. My point is we need to hit the core problem, which is loners. Nine times out of ten, it's a white guy that's a loner that, uh, you know, has pure social skills. And, uh, and the parents or people around him have to know there's something wrong. We need a way of getting those people called out so that we can keep them from doing this. Yep, you're uh, right on the money with this. Isn't, isn't it amazing we see the same profile over and over, Jim, and yet this is not a conversation we seem to be having. We have people who just want to who uh, just continually bring this issue back to guns rather than addressing the root. 
Yeah, you've got to get to the root of the problem. Well, Jim, we'd love to hear from you uh, once you get your concealed carry permit. I'd I'd be very curious to know how the process goes for you and how you feel about your level well, of preparedness. County is slow, I can tell you that. Oh, yes. <laughs> that I know for sure uh, from what I've heard from other folks. Uh, very much appreciate your call and look forward to hearing more about your journey. By the way, we were talking about ongoing challenges financially over on the text line. This person says, we're a single-income home with two children. The recession's not affecting us that much. We've always been frugal. We don't buy unnecessary items and cook at home six days a week. We saw this coming, stocked up on food and personal care items. I see families still spending on new phones, new cars, Starbucks, but they say they can't afford their bills. We have money and savings because we can do without, so we're financially stable. All I can say is people are getting what they voted for. <laughs> e. Not a good picture. What about those who are doing well in this country? Why not ask those of us that are doing well to offer our advice? I'm sure most of your listeners fall in the low to middle class and are being told college is bad, electric cars are a joke, and yet we seem to be doing just fine. Somehow, we can afford multiple electric cars and spend and save as we want. And yet you and your listeners are still complaining and calling us elitists. What's wrong with that picture? When did I call you elitists? You and your listeners. I love how people say that. You must be speaking about someone else. So yes, I am very eager to hear your counsel and advice for the great unwashed. Now, the problem is, you come across as elitist in your communication. I hope you hear yourself. That's all. There's a way to be wealthy. There's a way to be in good shape financially and not be condescending toward others. <laughs> this is interesting. So feel free to call in and let's have a conversation about anything that you might have to offer. We're headed to depression, this texture says. Greenville County School District gave their bus drivers a 5% raise. Biden inflation almost 17%. Wife lost her job on June 12th. So things do not look too bright here in Simpsonville. Sorry to hear that. Hope the picture improves for you very, very soon. And speaking of out of touch, well, there's always the bright side of all of this. As we see the gas prices, by the way, we're seeing gas prices fall in the last few weeks. That's a good thing. But at least one elitist, and this person I would call elitist in the nation's capital, believes there's a real benefit to the pain that you're experiencing out there. Because, again, this is part of the Great Reset. They want to kill fossil fuels. Here is Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who is speaking of the glories of pain at the pump. Listen up. 
course, the more pain we are all experiencing from the high price of gas, the more benefit there is for those who can access electric vehicles. And about what about those folks who cannot access electric vehicles? This is I, I think it's funny, too, to talk about we and us. I'd love to hear how this is affecting his household personally. Just putting that out there. Because I suspect that most of the people who are part of this bureaucracy are not affected in the least. Especially when they've got us paying the tab for many of their expenses.